Hey, it's Justin, and I have a big announcement and personal invitation for you. This May, we're inviting a small group of people to Austin to learn how to grow their wealth tax-free and get access to some of my personal friends and experts in the industry. We did something similar last year, and the feedback was incredible, so we set aside a few tickets for non-Mastermind members to join us for this event. You'll spend some time learning from Garrett Gunderson, the brilliant and hilarious mind behind Money Unmasked, and the New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Killing Sacred Cows, and one of my favorite books, What Would the Rockefellers Do? He's going to share his insights on how to grow your assets tax-free with life insurance. And you'll also get some time with Rob Dial, the mastermind behind the Mindset Mentor Podcast, who will share with you how to find fulfillment in success. Then you'll get to participate in a special investment presentation, in-depth discussions, and breakout sessions on two crucial yet often overlooked topics, personalized tax strategies and wealth building. Plus, when you register, you'll have the opportunity to attend a one-day course the day before on vetting deals. If you want to learn our process so that you can make great decisions, there's no better teacher than Hans Box. This is our most requested topic, and it'll be an exceptional course. Seats for the course and the one-day event are limited, so if you're interested, please grab your ticket today. I always say you're just one connection, one decision, and one strategy away from true freedom, and I look forward to helping you on your journey. Head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live or click the link around this video and secure your ticket now before we sell out. Hope to see you in Austin this May. Once again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash live. I can't wait to see you there. Now, let's get into today's episode. I remember when Joe Polish said to me that he just heard this new statement, so I don't know who he heard it from, but he said to me, he said, the definition of hell is to meet the man or woman that you could have been. And I thought to myself, well, I want to be somebody else's definition of hell. I want someone to meet me, read my book, you know, have me coaching them, anything. I want someone to get involved in my ecosystem somewhere and go, how the hell can this bricklayer from London be working with Elon Musk or the Pope, or Sir Elton John, hell, I'm already out of excuses. So that's what I want. And I challenge you to be able to use me as an excuse for you not to be able to achieve greatness. Because jeepers, if I can be doing it, you are already out of excuses. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. How do the richest, most successful people get to where they are? 
Today's guest, Steve Sims, was determined to find out and in the process accidentally created the world's first luxury concierge with Forbes later calling him the real life Wizard of Oz. Steve's day job is to make the impossible possible. With his help, his clients' wildest fantasies and dreams come true. Getting married by the Pope in the Vatican, being serenaded by Andrea Bocelli, and connecting with powerful business moguls like Elon Musk and Sir Elton John, to name just a few. In this episode, I speak to Steve about his remarkable journey from his humble beginnings as a bricklayer's son to creating a unique and thriving career while rubbing elbows with the most successful people in the world. You'll learn all about his book, Blue Fishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, which reveals his secrets to accomplishing the seemingly impossible. We also talk about the fear of failure why you should never let others limit your success, how to stand out by being you, and Steve's unique strategy for only ever surrounding yourself with great people. One more thing before we get to today's interview. Steve has a special gift for Lifestyle Investor podcast listeners. He's giving away his Blue Fishing Playbook, which is a PDF report outlining stories, beliefs, and tools for living the life you want to live and getting anything done. To get access to this gift, visit justindonald.com forward slash 50. Thanks for listening. And without further delay, my conversation with Steve Sims. Well, Steve, it is so great to have you on the show. We've got several mutual friends in John Rulin, Hal Elrod, Jamie Hope, and a handful of others, actually. I'm just thrilled to have you on the show. So thanks for joining. It's a pleasure to be here. That's a pretty decent lineup you've just given a shout out to. Oh, I love it. Well, I've had so much fun getting to know you and learning your story. And I'm excited to share it with my audience because you just have in my opinion, one of the coolest stories out there. What you do for a business is incredible. And I want to get the word out. This whole idea of blue fishing, which you coined, and I read your book, it's incredible. Tell us a little bit about that. Because you really like... One of the things that I noticed about you is you are full of passion. And you talk about the importance of having passion and the excitement that that, that brings. And you have built your whole career and life around this idea of passion. You're a walking, talking trophy for exactly that. Wow, there's a lot of questions in there. So, so how do we unpack it? God, let's just start at the beginning. Like all entrepreneurs, uh, I grew up aggravated, and I grew up financially poor. I'm always very quick to say the difference between being poor and financially poor, because I was loved, I was protected, I was taught, what an honest day's work was. I was always that, but we had no money. So we were financially restricted, and I didn't like that bit. So I went out to try and find successful people to have conversations with, just very similar as the way people do podcasts today. So I went out on a journey to literally ask the richest people in the planet, how come you're successful and I'm not? And it's a very cheeky, abrupt borderline rude question to ask that I've been able to ask Sir Elton John, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, 
and some other wonderful people that I've worked with, worked for, been clients. And I've done that. So for 25 years, I wanted to get in a room with rich people. To do that, I needed to do something for them. And I had a knack of getting people into places that they weren't invited to. So it started off getting them into parties. If Cartier was having a private event at the Rodeo or Bahanstroff or Kowloon uh, store, I would get affluent clients into it. You know, Cannes Film Festival, Milan Fashion Week, the Grammys, Sir Elton John's Oscar party. The events just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. I would have realized that over 25 years, I created quite simply the personal concierge industry. Forbes called me the real life Wizard of Oz. One of my little taglines, which someone called me, I think it was Entrepreneur Magazine, they said, I'm the Wake-A-Wish Foundation for people with really big checkbooks. I liked that one. But my job was basically, if I could look after you, get you to do a drum lesson with Guns N' Roses, drive a Formula One car in Monaco, hang out with Ferrari, go backstage, go on stage. I've had clients literally structured to go on stage and sing live with their favorite rock band. I became that guy, not because I wanted to do that, but I wanted to ask those people the question. And along the way, I used a lot of passwords. And so I would say, oh, yeah, 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 go and see Jimmy. Tell him Sim sent you. And I would always give them a stupid password because I wanted them to smile. (laughs) So I would say, you've got a name, two of the Teletubbies. Or you've got a name, Big Bird's mate, out of Sesame Street, the elephant. And and I would give them all these stupid things. So I would have some of the most powerful and sometimes intimidating people walking up to my, my contacts going, Snuffleupagus, or Inky Winky Poe. And it was hysterical. <laughs> and one of them was uh, uh, finished his sentence from Dr. Zeus, one fish, two fish, red fish. So people would go up and they'd be like, Sim sent me blue fish. And they'd be like, in you go. And I obviously used that password too much because people would then contact me going, hey, you're that blue fish guy we keep hearing about. And so in the end, I went, yeah, okay. And that's how it started. Didn't really think much of it because, again, my focus was on getting into the rooms. I always thought if I knew 10 millionaires, which ended up becoming 10 billionaires, that'd give me a job. You know, none of those bastards gave me a job, you know? And now I, now I run a company, <laughs> Sims Media, and actually three of those 10 are actually clients of my media company. So they're okay about giving me money, but they never actually gave me a job without realizing that I was building my own up. But the whole premise, the whole point was to find out why successful people, and we've had this conversation when you were on, were on my podcast, if you don't know the answer, go and find someone that's qualified and credible with it. And that's what I did. So even though me and you have different industries, the mentality was the same. We started off aggravated, and then we went and saw that sought that information from credible sources to become educated ourselves. And that's how it started. And then I got the chance to write a book three years ago. You know, I had a different title, but they were like, no, 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 we've got to call it Bluefishing. So we called it Bluefishing, became a bestseller and translated into Chinese, Polish. It's just been released in uh, Russia, uh, Japan, Thai. Korean, 
you know, all over the planet. And now I coach, train, speak. And that's what I do now. I basically take everything I've learned from 25 years of getting the answers and I coach and train entrepreneurs on how to get out, get away from the biggest problem they've got, which 99% of the time is them. That's right. That is so cool. I'm curious, what was the title of the book going to be called? I was going to call it Getting Shit Done. <laughs> I think that would have sold pretty well too. <laughs> I think it would have done. But there was actually a couple of books that went out and did that. And were, there's actually a couple of titles out there similar. Yep. But uh, the book was released by Simon & Schuster. And I learned a lot of things. If any of you are out there going, hey, I want to launch a book, get ready to hate me. Because I was in a bar, it's been known to happen, having a conversation with a girl who just happened to be uh, something to do with Simon & Schuster. A week later, no proposal, no manuscript, nothing. I got offered a very large book deal. The tip of the day on that, the lesson to learn from that, is when you are in great rooms with great people, great things happen. So I didn't expect the book to take off. I didn't expect anyone would find my story any different. I was wrong. So when it got released, it really did change my world. And for that reason, they had a bit more control over things like title and layout than I wanted and that I knew about. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know anything about writing a book. I'd read a couple, but that was about as far as it went. Well, while we're talking about it, where can people find this book? Because I think it's an incredible book. I just loved reading it. And it's an easy read and it's fun. And as you hear the stories that you were able to create for people, you vicariously live through these individuals and it's so uplifting. So I'd love my audience to know where they can find out more about you. Well, it's very easy. You can find it on stevedsims.com. And that's, uh, don't forget the D for dashing. And there's only one M in Sims. So stevedsims.com. But when you go to that website, something there's a little story that should give you a little bit of background before you actually look at the video that, that you will see. I knew nothing about publishing a book. I think that was probably my greatest asset. I've missed out on a few things. But I've, I've made up for more things than I've lost because I wasn't trapped in the myths and the ruts of what normal publishing looks like. So they contacted me about a month out and they said, do you have your launch ready? And I said, what launch? And they said, for the book. And I went, no, I thought you did that. I thought you just released it and people bought it and I became an international bestseller, you know. I thought <laughs> that was just what you did. And they were like, no, no, no. You've got to do a book launch. And here's the funny thing. It gets strange. They had always wired the money into my account. This time, they sent me a check for $2,500. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is this for? You know? And they said, that's for your launch. What launch? And they <laughs> said, we've looked where you live. And in Los Angeles, there's a Barnes & Noble in an affluent area called The Grove. We want you to rent a table. Apparently, you can rent these from Barnes & Noble buy some champagne, and sell autographed copies on a Saturday afternoon. Now, for any of your listeners that aren't lucky enough to see me, I don't look like Brad Pitt. <laughs> so there is no way in the world you're going to be wandering through the mall on a Saturday afternoon with your little daughter 
and go, he looks lovely, warm and fuzzy. Let's go and find out what he's talking about. So I said to him, I'm not doing that. And they said to me the words that you always hate to hear. They went, it's in your contract. You have to do a launch. So I was like, oh, shit. So, again, knowing nothing, I went down to a whiskey bar that I'd love to frequent on uh, Sunset Boulevard. And I said, look, here's the scoop. I'm going to sign this check over to you. Kick me out when we run out of money. I'll invite a bunch of money. And they went, yeah, okay, you can have the back room. So I had the back room of a Hollywood whiskey bar. And all I did was I phoned up my mates. I phoned up like, you know, Jay Abraham, Lewis Howes, Jim Quick, Greg Reed, a whole bunch of people. And again, when you know great people, you know, you can make a great room yourself. So I phoned up all of these people and I went, no, I've got to do a launch party for this. We're basically just going to get pissed. Do you want to come down? Because I had to take a few photographs. Well, a girl turned up by the name of Sanya Hatter. Sanya and Cole Hatter run a very big event called Thrive in Vegas. And he's always doing videos for him. And I had some good people at this party. So she said to me, do you mind if we get our guy just to do some video footage for his B-roll? And I went, knock yourself out. Enjoy it. So that's what they did. I saw them floating around the party just taking videos of Jim Quick and all these other people. And then I you know, had the party, got drunk, went home, and Simon and Schuster contacted me, and they said, look, we've seen a couple of pictures up. But we haven't seen like a formal launch. You know, there's no website or anything. And I said, well, I'll, I'll stick the pictures on a website. We didn't even have a website, but I own Steve D. Sims. But I said, I'll stick it up there. That afternoon, Sonia sent me that video that's on the website. And she said to me, I apologize for lying, but we edited and filmed a launch party video for you. So to say that it was perfect timing is an understatement. But when you see the video, at the beginning, everyone's sober. And it's all kind of like, it's a, it's, it's a blessing to be here with Steve. Steve's done just, a, it's just such a good job. It. It's an honor to... And as the video goes on, everyone's just getting shit-faced. <laughs> and then it's a case of, I, I didn't even know he could fucking read a book, let him write a book. You know, what's this about? You know, and it gets abusive. So they sent me this video, and I thought to myself, is it too coarse to post up? And I thought to myself, again, and we've spoken about this, when you've got people saying real things about you that know you, how more real can that be? That's you know, right. if I've got my friends going, oh, he's an arsehole. I'm going to post that up because my friends can call me an asshole because they're my friend. I posted the video, and this was about a month after the launch. And the first month did very little. Second month did slightly less than the first month. I posted that video up on there, and I think we hit 8,000 copies, and it just hockey stick. And I would say it was down to that video on the front page of stevedsims.com. That's awesome. What a great story. And one of the things that I appreciate the most is you did it your way. And I can tell that this is just kind of the way that you live your life. It's you figure out how you want to do it. And it doesn't matter if if someone else thinks you should do it differently. You do it the way that you want to do it. And that has had tremendous success and, and results for you. I think that that's awesome. You know, I think about 
some of the things that I learned from your book. And there's just a wealth of knowledge. Obviously, the stories are great, but I love how you talk about passion being the best language or currency that exists. And you can see it. You can hear it. You can feel it. You exude passion. Now, one of the first things that you talk about in your book is a lesson from your dad. And I feel like this is something that really has been a foundational concept or idea uh, around a lot of what you've built and the way that you live your life. And you you had said this, that your dad said, you don't drown by jumping in the water, you drown by staying in the water too long. And I'd love to hear you unpack that a little bit. So I left school at the age of 15. There was a school counselor that I saw on my final day. And he said, don't bother applying for college. You're done. And that was it. I was like, oh, that was great. So I left school. My dad owned a little construction firm. And my dad was a you know, thick-headed Irish lad, you know, just a proud, solid man. And he owned these, this little building thing. And they would do everything from little houses to, you know, working on factories. And so I would go in there in the summer and I would go in there in school holidays to make some extra cash. So getting kicked out of school at 15, the natural step was the following day, bang, I'm on the building site. And I remember walking through, uh, through the town with him one day and we were walking between projects. So we're all filthy working on a building site. My dad was a chain smoker. You know, and he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed, but he was a good, honest, hardworking man. But he would have one cigarette going, and in the other hand, he'd have one that hadn't been lit yet. And just as this one would be about to die, he'd light that one up, puff that one out, throw it on the floor, and be off again and get another one ready. Always double-fisted, okay? So we're walking through this town, and he's smoking away, and in his right hand, he's got this cigarette not even lit yet. We're walking, and he puts his hand on my shoulder. No reason, no lead-up, no prior conversation. And he said, son, no one ever drowned by falling in the water. They drowned by staying there. He took his hand off my shoulder, lit up his cigarette, put it in his mouth, stabbed the other one up, and carried on walking. And I had stopped. I was stationary, and I was like, what was all that about? You know, I thought it'd be consumed by a fortune cookie or something. I was like, where did that come from? What the hell did that have to do with anything? <laughs> and I was completely perplexed. And as I say, he had just carried a walk, so I had to run to catch him up. And I just thought, yeah, I don't know where that came from. And I ignored it, forgot it. And then as I started my entrepreneurial journey, I realized, and we had discussed this when you were on my podcast, and we had discussed that we have had a lot of mistakes and failings. And that's what education is. And I thought to myself, hang on, I keep falling over here. In fact, I'm falling over and burying myself in the water. But I have the choice. And it's resonating. I'm 55 years old now. And the amount of mistakes I have now are maybe less than when I was younger but I still have a lot. I want to force myself to grow. I want that education. I want that experience. And anyone that wants education and experience knows that comes from things going to shit. So every time I try something, 
I go, ah, if I'd have done this, it could have been, that's what I want. The second I stop failing, I end up staying still. Anything that stands still becomes stagnant, stinks, and dies. And I don't want to be doing that. So I'll often remind myself of that statement that my dad gave me walking through town. That's powerful. And, you know, you compound that by saying failure is just an education of what not to do. And that's so true. And for every failure, you're learning. But I think that it really resonated with me when you said, the worst thing is not failing. The worst thing is not trying and then falling short. The worst thing is to not try and to be in the exact same place that you were without growing one bit. And that is so true. And if we can all, and, and you, I know you're a big fan of growing 1% every day, getting a little bit better every day. And I think if more people can embrace that mindset, it's going to have a tremendous impact on the world. I remember when Joe Polish said to me that he just heard this new statement, so I don't know who he heard it from. But he said to me, he said, the definition of hell is to meet the man or woman that you could have been. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, I want to be somebody else's definition of hell. I want someone to meet me, read my book, you know, have me coaching them, anything. I want someone to get involved in my ecosystem somewhere and go, how the hell can this bricklayer from London be working with Elon Musk or the Pope or Sir Elton John? Hell, I'm already out of excuses. So that's what I want. And I challenge you to, to be able to use me as an excuse for you not to be able to achieve greatness. Because jeepers, if I can be doing it, you are already out of excuses. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think most people don't because they're afraid of the embarrassment of not doing it. And we just have to get beyond that. Like, it, that just can't be a thing. So I love that. Who's embarrassed? That's a brilliant statement. And you've sparked me up there nicely. Embarrassed by who? Haven't you noticed that all those people around you that laugh at you when you fail have never achieved shit? Mm. If I went into investing, okay, and I was working for asset-driven investments, as you were teaching me earlier, and I got involved in a mobile park home and it flopped, would you laugh at me or would you educate me? I'd educate you. Because you're in a position of credibility to be able to do so. The person that goes, oh, you lost your ass, can't even afford the payments on that push bike. So we care about the people that are going to laugh at us that don't actually add anything to us. So mm. surely when you start validating that, you tend to try more often because the people that send me hate mail, the people that go, oh, how do you live yourself yeah, how do you live with yourself and sleep at night when you're dealing with billionaires? And I tell them, very well, thank you very much. It doesn't <laughs> matter what these people are saying because as a friend of mine said to me years ago, be so successful and disruptive that you have haters. Mm, that's good. That's powerful. Hey, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about my online course. As a listener, you probably know my story. 
In under two years, I had multiplied my net worth to over eight figures and my investments were generating enough passive income for my wife and me to quit our jobs. Since launching the Lifestyle Investor book and podcast, I've had a lot of people reaching out asking how I was able to accomplish this in such a short period of time and how they can start investing just like I do. My methods are unconventional, but I've always wanted to share my strategies and help as many people as possible accomplish financial freedom. And while the podcast is loaded with lots of alternative investment advice from both myself and my guests, it's not intended to be a comprehensive system that walks you through my step-by-step process. That's why I decided to create the Lifestyle Investor Course, a roadmap for anyone who wants to dive deeper into the world of lifestyle investing. Anyone can use my system, no matter what level they're at in their investing career. So if you want all my strategies for creating passive income and building wealth conveniently packaged up into a simple to follow course, visit justindonald.com forward slash course for all the details. Now let's get back to the show. Something else that I took away from your book and really just your overall message is don't be easy to understand be impossible to be misunderstood. Yeah. Let's break it down. There's a percentage of the planet who have already decided they love you. You walk into the room, they just go, I love his shirt, love his haircut, love his size, love his smile. I love this guy. This guy's brilliant. I want to do any business I can with him. They're throwing that checkbook and firstborn at you and asking if you'll marry that sister. That committed to you. There are people in this world just based on your accent, T-shirt, the way you walk, your favorite tune of music, what cheese you like on your sandwich, just hate. You can't do anything about it. They don't like you. They're not the problem. The people that are the problem are those on the fence. Those people that sit there going, hmm, I don't know if I like this. And do you know whose fault that is? You. You see, you are the one to blame if you have anyone confused, because no one confused will ever give you that checkbook. So for me, I'm like, hey, this is it. If you like it, just get in the sandpit and let's play. If you don't, you'll be fine. I'll be fine. But we'll walk on by. Okay? You've got to make sure that those people on the fence can't misunderstand who you are. If you meet me in a pub, if you meet me driving down the road on my motorbike, if you meet me at a stage event, if you have me coaching you, don't be stupid enough to think that I'm going to change who I am for any of those arenas. I am the exact same person, can't spell for shit, I've got a greater I can than an IQ, and I'm going to get you uncomfortable. Mm. Wherever I am, That's me. And it will resonate to you, and I'll have you close to me, or it will repel you, and we will never speak or look in each other's direction again. And that's what you've got to do. We have a company, Sims Media. I am amazed that the first mistake that people make when they launch a company is to go on a branding campaign to brand themselves as someone that they're not. Mm. Why would you do that? You were born different, you walk different, you look different. 
And the first thing you do is you try and act like somebody else. Why become a sheep when you're already in an individual? So for me, I realized that we are a battery. You know, and we, we, we've all got these cell phones. And just like a cell phone has to be plugged in. My computer has to be plugged in. We exert energy when we're working on a project. Why should a high percentage of that energy be focused on being someone that you are not? Yeah. Now, for me, this is going to surprise a few people. It takes zero effort to be me. Zero. I have 100% effort, energy, and passion on sorting your shit out and making you more scalable and more impactful. Because being me, do that all day, every day, all day long. And you guys out there, guys and gals, should be doing the exact same. Stand out by being you. I love it. You know, I also thought it was cool hearing your story of wondering how people stayed at such fancy hotels and what that life was like and that you figured out this hack. Instead of like staying at this expensive hotel, just go and grab a coffee in the lobby and hang out and see what it feels like to be there. And I just love that idea. I'd love to hear more about some of those experiences and, and how it morphed into having like experiencing the higher end stuff that you've become you've had the privilege of experiencing and have become accustomed to in many cases. Yeah. So the first thing you've got to do if you want to change is to change the room you're in. Okay. I already said to you that I've got the book deal because I was in a great room full of great people and a great thing happened. You've already said that when you wanted to scale and learn how to invest, you seeked out, you sought out people that were credible at that position. So you change the room. If you want investment advice, you don't go down to the local pub and speak to Billy on the last stall and ask him. <laughs> He's got an opinion, and he'll tell you what to do with his money, which is more money than he's ever seen in his life, even if it's $10. Everyone's got an opinion, but it's not credible. So the first thing you've got to do is change the room. And the good thing is today, you don't even have to leave the door. You can change your room by subscribing to this podcast, joining the appropriate Facebook group, joining the appropriate online community. You can change your environment of challenges and creative disruptors by joining some kind of digital ecosystem. Now, I came from an era where I didn't have Instagram to point out how inadequate my life was. So for me, to want to understand what, affluence was like i'm not going to go to my local ford dealership i'm going to go to a ferrari dealership i'm going to sit in a ferrari i'm going to touch the steering wheel lick the leather you know i'm gonna i'm gonna immerse myself did that i used to get kicked out of those places before <laughs> i ended up buying one with the credit card you know so and then uh, i would go to hotels this is a five-star hotel i can't afford to stay at the room but I can afford 10 bucks for a coffee. Even though it's too much for a coffee, I can immerse myself in the experience of being served in the same way and in the same porcelain that a billionaire would. Mm. So I immersed myself in that experience by paying too much money for a cup of coffee, sitting on a fine couch and watching how people interacted. And then I would take it a bit further. 
I would actually go up to the front desk and go, hey, I've got clients flying into town. They always like to stay at the penthouse. Can you show me the penthouse? They would show me the penthouse. That's awesome. So now I'm walking around the penthouse and I'm getting to see what a 2000 well, then a $2,000 a night penthouse would be. And I'm like, oh, so this is old. You've got your own fiber chef and all your own fiber elevator. Oh, right. Okay. And I immersed myself. It opened my eyes because I asked myself to see it. I pushed myself to try it. I remember taking my dad. My dad didn't want to, he's from old school. He didn't want to get into the uh, Ferrari, you know? And he was like, no, no, no. I was like, sit in that damn car. You're going to have no idea what it's like until you sit in it. And I forced him to sit in. So many people are scared of doing it. What's going to happen? You know, you're not going to suddenly explode into a ball of flames, but you are now going to know what it's like to sit in a Ferrari. You may not be driving it down the autobahn, but you now know what it's like. You've got to do that. You've got to experience those kind of things so that you can make an educated decision as to whether or not that fits your style. As it is now, I haven't owned a car for 20-something years. I literally ride motorcycles every day, all day. I've got like 12 of them. And, you know, I just collect motorcycles. That's awesome. What a fun way to experience the finer things in life when you otherwise could be afraid of what that looks like or not know, and then you can get in touch with it and realize maybe it's not that big of a deal, or maybe I can have this, or maybe I deserve this too. Why would someone else get this and I don't get this? Maybe it's just a mindset thing. It's just so powerful. And on the flip side of the coin of this, one of the things that you talk a lot about is taking money out of the equation whenever you can because it drives out the physical and emotional states. And so I think this is a, another great way to look at it because money probably drives most of us too much too often. And when you get rid of that, that, that stimulus, that w- whatever it is, then you can make better decisions. It's like making decisions based on where your bank account is today. That's not probably the best way to make decisions, right? Oh, yeah. It messed me up. For many years, my life and my emotions reflected the size up or down of my bank account. Mm. You know, there'd be a lot of money in there, and I'd become lazy and smiley. And there'd be a little (laughs) bit of money in there, and I would become hustly and get involved in deals that I shouldn't have got involved in. So I found that I was reacting to my bank balance, a bank balance that I was creating that I was then allowing it to steer me. It was the classic tail wagging the dog. So I basically set myself up rules where I didn't pay attention to that. I I would step aside of that and I could be much more fruitful in what I actually did. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. You know, something else I think is fun about uh, the decisions that you make and you are able to create such clarity and and make decisions with such ease with these simple rules, these simple concepts. And one of them is the chug test that (laughs) you want to know that you could chug a beer with someone and that you would enjoy it. You'd enjoy your time. You'd enjoy your conversation. And that's one of your tests, your mental tests. (laughs) If you're going to work with someone, if you're going to hire someone, if you're going to spend time with them, I'd love to hear more about that because I think it's brilliant. So have you ever had a conversation with someone that, you know, maybe you were going to make a lot of money from, but you really didn't want to have that conversation? You bet. You know, you're on the phone going, 
yeah, 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 no, no, I understand what you're saying, but you're, no, 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 of course you're right. And it wears you out. And you get off the phone and you are physically white. You are drained. Do you want to jump on another phone call? Hell no. You know, you just want to <laughs> hide in a box and recover from that pain in the ass. But when you have a phone call with someone you'd like having a phone call with, you're energized, you're motivated, you're kind of, well, that was great, let's do it again. And you hang up on the phone, you think, well, who else can I call? And you jump on the phone, or a client or a prospect contacts you, and you're like, hey, hey, Jack, how you doing? And you're so pumped. Jack now wants a piece of this, and he's doing all the business with you. So I noticed that on my miserable days, there was a definite bellwether and relationship to the miserable people I was speaking with. And I thought to myself, that can't be right. So I tested it, and I thought to myself, I'm done with this. I'm only going to talk to happy people. I'm only going to talk to people I like. So I came up with this little, I don't know what you call it, formula. And here it is. You're walking down the high street. And you're on the left-hand side of the high street. And between you and the other path is two lanes of busy traffic. And as you're walking north, on the left-hand side of the street, coming south, on the right-hand side, is somebody in your life. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe they're in a relationship. Maybe it's your top salesperson. Maybe it's your accountant, your underwriter, whatever. It's someone in your, your ecosystem. Do you automatically, A, quickly look in the window and pretend you're looking at that, those kids' cots, okay, and then watch the reflection for them to walk past you and then quickly turn around and carry on your day? Or do you run across two lanes of speed in traffic to jump in front of them and go, Justin! Let's go grab a beer. We haven't seen each other for five minutes. And you hug it out and you go and chug a beer with them. If it's not option B, get them out of your life. Mm. And I thought, I wonder if I can do that. And here's the daft thing. When you get rid of the a-holes from your life, it leaves you more room for the good ones. You imagine a day where all you speak to is good people. The people in your company are good people. Your accountants, I had an accountant, and you're sitting there going, well, who cares if you get on with an accountant? All accountants are assholes. Ah, not mine. I went out to find an accountant that I was not depressed when I got off the phone with. My old accountant would do the same numbers, but every time he'd phone me, he'd be like, hey, Steve. <laughs> yeah, well, I've done the... Yeah, it's not good. Shut up. I'm making a lot of money. I'm paying tax. How is it a bad thing? It just happens to be what it is. Why am I going to have the added misery of your dumbass attitude? Now my accountant comes on the phone. He's like, well, you're making too much money, Steve, because we've got to give a little bit to someone else. <laughs> and just a reframe is what I like. You know, I love the fact that he tries to make a joke out of the fact that I've got a big tax bill. 
You may not want it, but I'm not going to be shooting that messenger. Mm. So I literally went out of my way and I did this with my family. And you know, funny enough, there were a couple of people, even in my family, that I wondered whether or not I'd look in that mirror to or in the window. And so I was able to confront them and go, I don't like our relationship. Let's work on it or forget it, you know? And if you can be that brutal with your life, you end up with the life that you want to live in. That's powerful. And I can tell you that that whole idea has served me very well. And I've been on the side of that where I didn't make decisions based on who I wanted to spend time with and, and, and who I didn't. So in the business world, you know, hiring people, this is of the utmost importance because these are people you're going to work with on a regular basis, especially with a small company. And I really learned this the hard way. I had one brutal year of just hiring the wrong team, the wrong main point person. And I did everything in my power to avoid having conversations, which means that this person did worse and worse and worse because I didn't do my job. I wasn't motivated to do my job. And I learned that you have to hire people that you love, that you want to spend time with, that it's a heck yes. It's not just a yes to hang out with them. It's a heck yes to hang out with them. And so I, I love that chug test on your end. And, and by the way, if you say it's that important in business, imagine how much even more important that is in your personal life, right? Outside of business, like your spouse, your friends, like who is it that you're choosing to spend time with? And I think that that is imperative. So brilliant, totally brilliant. Uh, we're coming to an end here. And I thought it'd be cool to kind of close things out with just this idea that you said in your book, which was living with passion and moving with persistence, that combo of passion and persistence makes you invincible. And you do that. You're, you are a walking, talking version of exactly that. Someone with passion and persistence. And I just want to thank you for your time on the show. And please, again, share with us where we can find you. Well, you can watch my little get-ups on their Instagram at Steve D. Sims. Uh, you can join an Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims, which is my free Facebook group. Or you can learn about me and everything else I'm up to on stevedsims.com. D for dashing, one M in Sims, Steve D. Sims. I love it. Thank you so much for your wisdom and for the time and for the wonderful stories. This has been great. Thanks, Pat. And I just want to leave our audience, those of you watching, those of you listening, with my favorite way to close out every episode, and that is this. Take some form of action today. One step towards the life that you desire, a life on your terms, a life that is proactive and intentional, not a life by default, and move towards financial freedom. Thanks. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. 
If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.